This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Any vets listening in tonight, or for that matter, families of vets? Well, we're going to go back to the days of World War II when brave men and women served behind the enemy lines trying to stem the scourge of Nazism. Before the Second World War, the United States didn't have much in the way of an effective intelligence-gathering service. But as the rest of the world went to war beginning in 1939, it became apparent that this would have to change. William Joseph Wild Bill Donovan, a lawyer and a military veteran who had won the Medal of Honor way back in 1918, was appointed Coordinator of Information, attempting to centralize the intelligence-gathering activities being individually carried out by the Army, Navy, FBI, and State Department. By 1942, his organization had become the Office of Strategic Services, or the OSS, The agents went to work both in the European and Pacific theaters of war, gathering intelligence, sowing false information, training guerrilla troops, and performing acts of sabotage. During uh, and serving in the uh, OSS was dangerous work, and lots of agents were captured, tortured, or killed during the war. Their work, though, was valuable. OSS agents played a defining role in eventually winning the war. From the book Cloak and Dagger... We learned that the OSS recruited doctors and editors and interior decorators, orthonologists, soda jerks, and truck drivers and cowboys who accepted voluntarily the loneliness of a hunted existence behind enemy lines. The idea was that the type of American who could best lead a double life behind enemy lines was the man who had never lived a double life before. It was easier to train an honest citizen to engage in shady activities than to teach honesty to a man of dubious background. Tonight's episode, The Trojan Horse. Are you willing to undertake a dangerous mission behind the enemy lines, knowing you may never return alive? What you have just heard is the question asked during the war to agents of the OSS, ordinary citizens, who to this question answered, yes. This is Cloak and Dagger. Black Warfare. Espionage, international intrigue. These are the weapons of the OSS. Today's story, The Trojan Horse, is suggested by actual incidents recorded in the Washington files of the Office of Strategic Services. A story that can now be told. August 1942. 
Report to OSS headquarters in Casablanca from Agent Henri Fontaine in France. Contact with girl Gabrielle Monet was made in the Bluebeard Café in Paris. I went there alone on the evening of the 15th and sent her a note with a waiter asking her to come to my table when she'd finished her song. Then I sat and waited. German officers were spread about the room as they were spread about all of occupied France. <laughs> I wondered what they would say if they knew why I had come. You send me this note, huh? Oui, mademoiselle. Will you join me? Why not? I drink with anyone these days. What will you have, eh? What have you? Let me taste from your glass. It is very bad wine. Huh? <laughs> you are right. Oh, the only time a girl may get good wine nowadays is when she drinks with the Bosch. Ah, never mind, I'm not thirsty. I enjoyed your song. Is that what you wanted to tell me? I think you are wasting your time here in Paris. Ah, Paris is wasting her time on Paris these days. I can offer you a better position in Casablanca. What did you say? Who are you? My name is Henri Fontaine. I, too, have a good position with the American OSS in North Africa. What are you saying? Before the Germans came to France, I was a poor poet. They did me a service. Now I'm a rich spy. You sit here in a room full of Germans and tell me this? What makes you think I will believe you? What makes you think I won't turn you over to the Germans if I do, huh? <laughs> Mademoiselle, I am not such a brave man. Neither am I a fool. We have kept you under observation for months. We know you better than you know yourself. Is there anything you'd like to know about yourself? What do you want of me? On our side, we have only the very best. Forgerers, counterfeiters, cutthroats, and uh, spies. <laughs> Will you join us? Ah, just tell me what you want me to do. Agent Henri Fontaine in France to Agent Steve Lytel in Casablanca. Arrangements have been made to transport the girl Gabrielle Monet to the south of France and then to Casablanca. Awaiting further instructions. Over. Bonjour. The roses will bloom early this year, I think. Oui, but uh, not too early, I hope. Good, good. I've been waiting for you. It is dark. I can't see you. Well. Is the girl with you? She is here. Gabby, say something so our friend will know you are here. I am tired. <laughs> Did you have difficulty reaching my safe in Paris? Uh, not too much. With swarms of displaced persons all over France to mingle with. And a slight bit of help along the way from the underground. It, it was not too bad. 
Good, good. Now follow me. I will take you to the fishing school. But I'm I know, so... I know you're tired. Cheer up, Gabby. You'll have a nice long trip by water to rest up. Oh. And then another nice long trip by auto to oh. Casablanca. Oh, I like automobiles. In the old days, I like nothing better than a, a pleasant ride. But Gabi did not like the automobile trip to Casablanca. It was probably nothing like the old days. I drove up front alone while she was fitting the trunk of the car behind gasoline drums. <laughs> there were gunny sacks and a Moroccan rug thrown over her. Across everything, a heavy canvas cover lashed down with just enough air left for her to breathe. We drove that way over rough roads for several hours. When it got dark, I pulled over to a side lane and let her out. Gabby, come out, come out. Oh, oh, my back. It is broken. I, I will gladly um, massage it for you. Uh, you are too kind. Not at all. No, thank you. <laughs> Pity. Why did we stop? To give you a chance to uh, stretch your legs. And a cigarette, if oh, you want one. Oh, I would die for one. Give, 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 give. I have one lit here. Mille uh, merci. You see? I try to be gentle. <laughs> I try to make up for the inconvenience I am causing you. Ah, ça c'est drôle. I remember what another poet once said. A German, by the way, but uh, not a Nazi. His name was Goethe. What did he say? He said, be gentle with women. Remember, they were made from a broken rib. <laughs> I am not amused. I'm sorry. You are always smiling. Do you enjoy the war, huh? I am a poet. There is poetic excitement in being behind the lines, working underground. I enjoy being a spy. Well, I am no matter how. You will do. You still have told me nothing. Why did they send for me? You remember a German named Paul Vogel? Paul? What do you know of him? Tell me. Not now. The time is late. But I must Throw know. Away your Why did you mention I said later. We have a long journey ahead. If we pass the border post, I will tell you. If we do not, <laughs> the words and minutes would only be wasted. Altula! I thought I would never reach the border. It's been a long trip. Where are you headed? Casablanca. You anything to declare? No, nothing. Let me see your passport. Here you are. All of a sudden, I spotted a small black dog sniffing and whining at the trunk of the car where Gabrielle was hidden. The customs officer had not noticed him, and I knew I had to find somewhere to keep him from noticing. Ah, one becomes stiff after so long a ride. While he looked over my passport, I went to the rear of the car, picked up the dog by the scruff of the neck, and uh, started to pet him. Uh, your passport seems to be in order, but what's the matter with Jeff? Oh, nothing. Perhaps he does not like to be picked up. No. 
If he did, he wouldn't try to bite you. Better put him down. I knew if I put Shroff down, he'd go back to sniffing around that trunk. I felt like strangling that cute little black puppy. Well, put him down. I, uh, I have taken a fancy to him. Um, how do you feel about selling him to me, eh? Huh? Well, I... Uh, you, you are serious, monsieur? Oui, I like him. Come, come, how much, eh? Oh, take him. There are two more like him around somewhere. Uh, thank you. He will liven up the journey. Wait. Huh? Before you go. Yes? What is in your trunk? Huh? I said, what is in your trunk? Let me put the dog in the car, and then I will show you. The trunk, I will show you. You see? Gasoline drums. Yes, I see. Very well. Close the trunk. I may go? Of course. Thank you again for Joe. August 27, 1942. Report to OSS headquarters in Washington from Agent Steve Lytell in Casablanca. Fontaine and the girl arrive. I knew as soon as she walked in that Paul Vogel could not have forgotten her. I only hoped her memories of him weren't too strong. Now, as you know, Miss Monet, this is an international zone. We are, in effect, neutrals. In Casablanca, we pass each other in the streets. Germans, Americans, Vichy, and Free French. You can imagine what a hotbed of international intrigue we have here. Oh, I, I know nothing of that kind of intrigue. Then perhaps we can broaden your horizon. Hold it, Henri. Now listen to me, Yabby. The head of the German Armistice Commission in Casablanca is a man named Paul Vogel. Does that name mean anything to you? We knew each other once, before the war. Knew each other? He was an attaché to the German consulate in Paris. You almost married him once, isn't that so? That is my business. I'm afraid we've made it our business. Now, Gabby, we've kept close watch on you these past months, and we're sure that you're no Nazi or Vichy sympathizer. Oh, I hate them all for what they are doing to France. But Vogel, what are your feelings toward I, him? I haven't seen him in years. That's not answering my question. If he is a Nazi, I have no feelings toward him. All right, then. Now, the open secret here in North Africa is the planned American invasion. The closed secret is where and when. Now, that's what Paul Vogel wants to find out for German headquarters. Well, I still don't understand what I... You're I'm... to tell him, Cherie. What? Henri's right. You're to take up this friendship with him once more. What? Give him all the information he wants. You'll what? get it direct from us. What? Now, Give rest assured it'll be the wrong information. You understand now? Uh, I'm beginning to. Good. We have a job for you at the Three Lanterns Cafe. Now, starting tomorrow... Agent Henri Fontaine and I were at the Three Lanterns Cafe the next night when Gabrielle opened there. The cafe was packed. But even the crowd around the bar Officers with ribbon chests, waterfront riffraff, and black marketeers, all of them were quiet when she sang. She 
was wearing a red dress. In the spotlight, her face looked smaller and whiter, and her hair looked blacker. There wasn't a man in the room who could take his eyes off her. I wondered how soon it would be before Paul Vogel came in and saw her, too. Uh, a girl like that could make you forget the war, I Steve. I've got a wife I can Syracuse. <laughs> can she wear red like that? My wife can be trusted. And this girl? She and Vogel were pretty close in the old days. I know my own kind. She can be trusted. I hope you're right. The success of the whole American invasion may hinge on it. A lot depends on how hard Vogel falls for that little bait up there on the bandstand. Steve, hmm? Vogel, he's just come in. That's all I wanted to see. Come on, let's get out of here. Excuse us, sir. Pardon? Pardon? This table is free, waiter. It will do. We oui, are Vogel. You wish to see the wine list? Oh, I... That girl. How long has she been here? Uh, the singer, you mean? She started only tonight. Tell her to come to this table when she's finished. <laughs> you understand? We oui, I understand. No, you don't. You only think you do. Go tell her what I said. And bring a bottle of your best wine. <laughs> and I had no idea it was you, Paul, when the waiter came to me. How like you to walk back into my life so quietly after making so violent an exit. Ah. The world is small after all, Gabby. I'm amazed to find you in Casablanca. I can say the same of you. What are you doing here? I arrived here a few days ago, but I've been in North Africa for months. Tangier, Oran, Tunis, singing. How were you able to leave France yeah. after the occupation? You should know how well I always got along with Germans. Hmm. You don't seem angry with me any longer, Liebchen. After that last time, six years ago... Uh, life is too short to be angry for too long at anyone. <laughs> Besides, I was a fool to have been jealous of that silly blonde with the bad legs. I've even forgotten her name. Suzanne. Aha! Uh-huh. I see you have not forgotten. <laughs> oh, it's a wine. Gabby, how good it is to be with you again. How good it is to be with you, Paul. For you, for me. Now, we will drink to what is to be, Liebchen. What is to be? You could have no better guide through Casablanca than I, Gabby. Come, what else would you like me to buy you from the marketplace? A scarf, perhaps? A gold scarf to put around your hair, yeah. Have you taken many girls to the marketplace, oh. huh? <laughs> Will you be forever jealous of me, Liebling? What is it, the French in you? Ah, it is the woman in me. <laughs> I imagine you are in great demand by the women here. The chief of the German Armistice Commission. How did you know that? I know more than you think. Oh? 
Would it interest you to know the name of one of the most important American agents in North Africa? Who? Steve Lytell. What do you know of him? I know him. And he knows the details of the planned American invasion. Come. I will buy you a gold scarf. Well, have you nothing to say of what I just told you? I knew that already. I, too, have agents. However, thank you for telling me. I can promise you more than a gold scarf if you find out additional information for me. Is this possible? It might be. Very possible. Agent Lytell in Casablanca to OSS in Washington. The girl, Gabrielle Monet, has been in the paid employ of the German government here for several weeks, according to our plan and we'll transmit to them the Dakar Cover Project. September 1942. Report to OSS headquarters from Agent Monet. I had a feeling that things were going too smoothly. I seemed to be holding my breath, waiting for something to go wrong. And on the night of the 29th, it did. Paul Vogel was in my room above the cafe. We were listening to my record of our favorite song. You'll have to go soon. It is late. Forget the time. Who would think it would come to this again, After that day in Paris. When we quarreled. I remember that day. We showed poor judgment to argue out of doors. It was raining. I got a terrible cold in the nose. Poor Gabby. Let me kiss that poor nose. Oh, you really must go. But before you do, I. I have a paper for you in my purse. Dates when high officials will be in Casablanca. Stay I'll get a it moment. for you. I want to uh, talk to you. you. You're hurting my arm. Let Germany me go, Paul. is paying you well for this information you are giving Paul, us. I know, Paul, please. Some of it is useful information, but none of it uh, is as important as I would like. I will try to do better. You had better do better. You know what would happen, Gabby. If I found out you were crossing me... I would not cross you. It is nothing for me to twist your arm like this. Such a small arm. Think what I could do if I really tried to hurt you. You hurt me now because you don't trust me. What do you want? You claim to know this American like that. I do. You claim you get your information from him. Is that all he gives you? What about his love? Does he give you that too? All... The shoe is on the other foot. Now it is you who are jealous. Oh, how foolish of you. Think. Would I lie to you? Gabby. Gabby. Oh, Gabby. If you ever lie to me, I'd rather see you dead at my feet than standing, looking at me, and lying. 
You hear what I say? Yes. Yes, I hear. I hear. wine. I must keep my head clear to think of what you have just told me. Now are you satisfied that I am earning my money? Mm-hmm. Dakar. So the Americans will land in a few weeks at Dakar. Very likely. Very likely. Dakar is strategically important. It will be more important if the German fleet is there to stop the invasion. Yeah, yeah. That bungled attempt at a landing under de Gaulle's leadership failed. So the Americans probably figure we would not dream that they would try it again in the same place. <laughs> One American, Steve Lytell, does not dream you know all this. Hmm. Are you going to tell German headquarters? But of course, this is something they will want to know. <laughs> Believes it, Steve. Every word of it. Good. The German fleet is being sent to stop the invasion at Dakar. Good, Gabby. Good work. Steve, radio report. Justin from Gibraltar. What is it? <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me tell it, Joff. General Clark will rendezvous on October 21st at Point Agrade near Alger. You know what that means? Final preparations for the Iran invasion. Nothing must go wrong now. Nothing. November 4, 1942. Something very wrong happened. Paul came to my room just before I was ready to go downstairs to the cafe. Paul! Gabby, your friend Lytell has been playing you for a fool. You hear what I say? I don't understand. The invasion is not the car. I just learned myself it's to be Oran. Oran! The German fleet, on my suggestion, is waiting in Dakar for oh, nothing. Paul. And will continue to wait Paul, for nothing. Paul, it can't be. Do you know be. what this will mean to me? Do you realize what the high command will do to me for please, this? Please, please, Paul. I'm ruined. Perhaps, perhaps your latest information was wrong about Oran. No, 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 no. It all ties in. They, the Americans, wanted me to believe that... Gabi, what had you to do with this? Now what are you saying? I'm getting tired of your suspicions. One day you trust me, the next day you don't. Your French? What kind of French? Instead of questions, ask yourself this. Would I betray you, Paul? Not Germany, but you think. Look at me. Look at your Gabby and answer. I... I... Oh, of course not. Not you... You wouldn't dare. There may still be time to stop the Americans at Oran. I must get back to headquarters and let them know by radio. I should have done that right away instead of coming here. Oh, have a drink first. No, no, uh, later. I'll be back. It will not be easy for you to tell the high command this. A drink will fortify you. Mm. Yes. Perhaps. Perhaps you're right. One drink. <laughs> Paul sat on the edge of the couch, his head in his hands. 
I remember thinking how very blonde was his hair, how large his eyes. It was not difficult for me to drop half the L tablet from my purse into his glass as I poured the liquor over it. Here you are. Poor Paul. Poor goody. You look so tired. Jane. Where are you going? You put on the record you like. We played it so often lately, Paul, that one of these days it will just rise up in protest. <laughs> You're tired? No. No pressure, that I must. I've had my drink. Hear my record through, then you will go. No. Oh, now. Must. Oh, now. You're so good, Nick. You love me. You love me very much. His head had fallen on his arms and rested on the table. The tablet had begun to work as I knew it would. I got the automatic pistol that had been given to me by the Americans and shot him twice through his very blonde head. Report from Agent Gabriel Monet. Well, it ought to come any minute now, news of the invasion. I've had word that Eisenhower and Clark were in Gibraltar on November the 8th. I'll let you both know as soon as something comes through on the radio. Are you all right, baby? <laughs> Me, don't concern yourself. You did what you had to do. It took courage. Well, if I had thought about it longer, perhaps I would not have had the courage. You cannot know. I think I do. He meant a great deal to me. A long time ago. I killed him. Listen to me. I told you something once that the poet Goethe said. He also said this. Give up what perished long ago. And let us love what's living. Do you hear, Gabi? Do you hear? Écoutez, écoutez. Yankee, Franklin, Midway, Lincoln, Robert, Harry. Robert, Harry. That's it, the code name. Robert's arrived. The invasion's begun. Do you hear? Did you hear, Gabby? Did you? Yes. Yes, yes, I heard. Once again, the report of an OSS agent is closed with the words... Mission accomplished. A further adventure in black warfare is next week's... Cloak and Dagger. Heard in today's story were Jane White... Barry Kruger, Leon Janney, Joseph Julian, Carl Weber, Raymond Edward Johnson, Guy Sorrell, and Bernie Gould. Script was by Winifred Wolfe. Music under the direction of John Gart. Today's true OSS adventure was based on the book Cloak and Dagger by Corey Ford and Alistair McBain. 
This has been a Lewis G. Cowan production under the supervision and direction of Sherman Marks. Stay tuned for Uncle Milty next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Now it's time for Milton Burl. From Radio City, New York, here is the Milton Burl Show with Kurt Helton, Jack Alberton, Billy Sands, Roger DeCoven, Jackie Grimes, our singing star Nick Carney, the music of Ray Block and the orchestra, and yours truly, Frank Keller. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we pay tribute to a great American community, Brooklyn. Many people think everyone from Brooklyn is a bum. They're wrong. Many people think Milton Berle is a bum. They're right. And here he is, Milton Berle. Thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Gallup, how can you start off with such a cruel joke? <laughs> I mean, tonight, Brooklyn needs sympathy. Tonight, Brooklyn needs consolation. Tonight, Brooklyn needs pitches. <laughs> oh, a Yankee Ruder, huh? Ah, <laughs> uh, there's good grief tonight, Mr. Gallup. Well, did you see the opening game of the World Series? And you mean when you I say, <laughs> did you... <laughs> I didn't hear what you did. Oh, sir? Yes, let's see. <laughs> did you see the opening game of the World Series? Did I see the opening game? I had a seat between first and third. Between first and third? Yeah, right on Second Avenue. <laughs> yeah, there's a bar there that has television, you see. McGillicully's Old Romanian Bar and Grill. If you got up, you can't miss it. There's a man of distinction lying in the doorway. <laughs> yes, I've noticed. I've noticed that most of the bars in New York now have televisions. Yes, they all have. And that's the perfect way to see a baseball game, Mr. Gallup. No crowds, perfect view, sitting at the bar with a glass of beer. If there's a head in front of you, you can blow it off. (laughs) Of course, you just can't sit there. Every inning, they expect you to buy a drink. But it's worth it. After the fifth drink, you're seeing a double header. I mean, Mr. Gallup, it's just like a real game. You, you know the seventh inning stretch? Well, at this bar, they're stretched out before the game starts. <laughs> yes, Mr. Gallup, television is the coming thing, and when it comes, you goes. <laughs> I, I goes? Mr. Gallup, I don't mind you making jokes about me, but at least you can be grammatical. Grammatical. No kidding, Mr. Gallup. The least you can be is grammatical. Here, you read Grammatical Thank you very much Well, the least you can be is that (laughs) Really, Mr. Gallup Why do you persist in hurling those acrimonious and abusive epithets at me? Why, kid? Oh, no (laughs) Wait for the laugh, old boy Uh, Why do you you throw those at me, huh? Why? Well, nevertheless Wait, did you get that? Did you you hear what I just said? Did you? Epithets, acrimonious uh, And I couldn't say grammatical I still can't say it. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, nevertheless, Burl, when television arrives, you leaves. I leaves? <laughs> That's more like it. That's better than you goes. Mr. <laughs> Gallup, must we always fight? Tonight, we are paying tribute to Brooklyn. It's in a spirit of friendship. Should we 
Join in. Perhaps you're right, Milton. That's the spirit. You know, Frank, I... Frank! Who's the who? Well, Mr. Gallup, I, I didn't mean to say Frank. I didn't know what I was saying. You called me Frank. Well, it, it, I, sorry, it, it slipped Burl. out. Burl, only one other person ever had the audacity to call me Frank. My mother. Your mother called you Frank? That's why I left home. Oh, no! I could bear just so much informality. Well, gosh, Mr. Gallup, I, I thought we were getting along so well. Yes, Burl, I've noticed of late a certain feeling of comradeship. Friendliness and warmth growing between us. I know. This I find particularly nauseating. <laughs> Mr. Gallup, please, just for tonight, let's be friends. Here, take my hand. You know my address. Send it to me. <laughs> Don't applaud. Don't. Don't applaud. Don't raise the audience to applaud for Boy, I'm a ham, but I don't know about you. <laughs> Raising the audience to applaud at that crack. Uh, it's all right, Mr. Gallup. But be your own master of ceremonies. Go ahead. But let me just tell you one word. Grammatical. <laughs> you know, you do five shows a day at the Roxy, and you, you try to pronounce an out-of-town word like that. <laughs> Boy, what business I'm doing at the Roxy. What a week. I've looked at more empty seats than my tailor. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> How can you sleep with the lights on? Well, yeah. On with the program, Mr. Gallup. On with the program. As, and don't wave to the audience anymore, please. Because we'll both get waved goodbye from the program. But on with the program as we pay tribute to a community that has withstood the ravages and insults and ridicule. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we salute Brooklyn. <laughs> Great, great block! Stop it! Stop! What's that? I said Brooklyn. Now pull yourself together. And there's a lot to pull together, too. We salute Brooklyn. Oh, well, that's better. Brooklyn, shining isle of the Atlantic. Brooklyn, gem of the eastern seaboard. Brooklyn, home of hardy pioneers who have fought civilization to a standstill. <laughs> Brooklyn. Brooklyn, here in this tropical paradise, we find a drowsy, easygoing people. Half the people are always asleep, and the other half are the ones who put them to sleep. <laughs> so join me, won't you? <laughs> Tolerant listener, won't you? On an expert... Are you sitting on a feather out there? <laughs> a lady laughed out there. Join me on this expedition into the strange, exotic land of make-believe, Brooklyn. Yes, as we cross the Williamsburg Bridge and approach Brooklyn, a border patrol checks our passports. <laughs> They go through our luggage carefully, removing all of our valuable boulevards. <laughs> if you have any place to go, go ahead. <laughs> they go through our luggage carefully, removing all our valuables and disappearing with them into the night. I lost that one up, but at last. <laughs> at last, ladies and gentlemen, we are in Brooklyn. 
as we set foot on Brooklyn soil, a friendly hand comes out to welcome us. Ow! <laughs> Hastily, we explain to him that I am neither Happy Chandler nor Noel Coward. I say to him, I am Milton Burrow. Duh. <laughs> Quaint, mysterious Brooklyn, rich in natural resources. In our knapsacks, we have brought trinkets to trade with the natives for their precious ivory. <laughs> and we are told that this ivory is found in abundance in a section called Ebbets Field. <laughs> this ivory is also known as the St. Louis Cardinal's Teeth. <laughs> but let us go on and meet the people of this flower of North America. Brooklyn. Here, here we are on the corner of Flatbush and Myrtle Avenue. Let us pick up at random one of the many Brooklynites hurrying by. Let us speak to him so that we may hear his strange, colorful Brooklyn speech. Excuse me, sir. Uh, may I have a word with you? Well, I'm in a beastly hurry, but carry on, old bee. <laughs> Wait a minute. You, uh... You are a Brooklynite? I jolly well am. Born and raised in Brooklyn, you know, and deucedly proud of the old borough. Thank you. Cheerio. Thank you. <laughs> yes, it is these people who make Brooklyn. Or it's they... Oh, here comes another Brooklynite. Excuse me, sir. I heard you. I heard you. What am I, thief, hey? Well, I, I would like to Don't ask... Don't raise your voice to me, you jerk. <laughs> yeah, but I just want to ask you a question. Okay, okay. Keep your shirt on, hey. All right. How long, young man, have you lived in Brooklyn? Since yesterday. I just moved there from Texas. <laughs> Thank you, Tex McCrary, and give my regards to Jinx. Ah, <laughs> uh, but the hour grows late, and as our trusty subway pulls out of the station, we hear the soft chant of the natives as they call after us, Aloha, Malaga, Mahala, which translated means... Hit the road, you fat slob! <laughs> Yes, Mr. Gallup, it's the old days in Brooklyn that everyone remembers When you think of those wonderful bygone years with that one and only girl You just can't help but sing I want to hang my hat on a tree that grows in Brooklyn I want to dip my feet in the Goana Canal, canal Ah, Cynthia Cynthia, golden memories of Cynthia in old Brooklyn. I remember the first time I ever met you, Cynthia. You had a job in the Brooklyn Navy Yard on those battleships. They used to pull you through the guns to clean them out. <laughs> but Cynthia, you didn't mind as long as you were near sailors. Yes, darling, Cynthia, there was something about sailors you loved. Rolling them. <laughs> ah, but how proud you were, Cynthia, that day that they named that ship after you. The Big Schmo. <laughs> Remember the launching? You broke the bottle of champagne, and before the ship hit the water, you were on the ground, lapping it up. <laughs> but, Cynthia, I remember you best at Coney Island. That wonderful day when you won that contest at Coney Island. The hot dog eating contest. What a record you set. Forty-six frankfurters in three minutes. <laughs> then you were disqualified. You didn't wait until they were cooked. Ah, <laughs> uh, Saint Cynthia... Cynthia, how we laughed at the way you looked in those mirrors in the funhouse. If you only looked as good as that in real life. 
Ah, those rides we had on the roller coaster. Your head would be on my shoulder, and how I warned you against standing up while the roller coaster was tearing along. Then one day you stood up. Boing, boing, boing. Yes, your head was still on my shoulder. But where were you? And while I'm still waiting for the rest of you, I'll sing. I want to hang my hat in Brooklyn, where the things are always cooking. I want to hang my hat in dear old Brooklyn. Very nice, Ray. That was Ray Block and the Philomars Orchestra playing feuding, fighting, and fussing. They played like they were fooling, fiddling, and faking. And now... <laughs> I'm only kidding. You know I love you, Madly. M-A-D-D-L-Y, Madly. And now, as we continue our salute to Brooklyn, we now present... Brooklyn Forum tonight. Brooklyn Forum tonight. The question, will living in Brooklyn ever take the place of jungle warfare? Thank you, Mr. Gallup And now let's get on with the questions from the floor Let's start right here with this tall gentleman With the alligator bags under his eyes Uh, Yes, sir? Mr. Burrow, me and a bunch of my friends Came all the way from Brooklyn Just to catch you at the Roxy What happened? Did you catch me? No, we caught the wrong guy He's still in the hospital How do you like that? There's a campaign not to waste food And this guy comes all the way from Brooklyn To leave an egg Next this, uh, this young man coming up here wearing the suede pumps with the platform heels. A uh, young man, uh, what is your name? My name is Harry Truman. <laughs> Harry Truman? Don't confuse me with the president. Oh, no, I won't. His I'll... name is Harry S. Truman. I know, I know. Mine is Harry M. Truman. I see. What does the M stand for? Margaret. <laughs> All right, Harry You have a question about Brooklyn? I got no questions about Brooklyn I like Brooklyn well, we're just Always not... somebody is criticizing Brooklyn What's the matter with Brooklyn? There's nothing wrong then stop criticizing What are you, a wise guy? You're no, I just I come from Brooklyn I'm proud of it yeah, but I we're... was born in Brooklyn I live in Brooklyn I hope I drop dead in Brooklyn I didn't say Thank you the famous man George Washington Frank Sinatra Check, guy, check Control ourselves. Young man, let's have your question again. Okay. Would you like to buy a 1922 Essex? <laughs> oh, please. Sit down. Let's hear, let's hear the woman's side. All right, this young lady in the aisle squeezing grapes with her bare feet. Um, young lady, what is your name, please? Hello, Lafini. I'm a homemaker. I see. <laughs> see? And you have a question concerning Brooklyn. Yeah. How can I stop my husband from being such a loyal Dodger fan? He's driving me nuts. He's very Loyal? Loyal? Just say the way Dodger and he takes off his hat, falls down on his knees and kisses his Leah DeRocha button. Oh, he's loyal, all right. He even got a tattoo on his chest that says Dodgers. Really? To show he ain't prejudiced, he also got a tattoo that says Yankees. On his chest? Are you kidding? (laughs) Oh, I, I get it, I get it. 
He's always getting into fights at Ebbets Field. He gets into fights. He got so much glass in his head from pop bottles, I get I could get a deposit back on him. <laughs> well, no wonder. You should have seen my husband the day the Dodgers won the pennant. What did he do? He come running home yelling, the Dodgers won the pennant for the first time in six years. Then he gave me a big kiss. He gave you a kiss? It was the first time in six years for me, too. <laughs> Mrs. Feeney, now that the World Series is on, your husband must be impossible. Yeah. He told me if the Dodgers lose the World Series, he's going to throw himself out the window. If the Dodgers lose, he'll throw himself out the window? Yeah. Come on, Yankees! <laughs> Let us all bow our heads in devotion to Brooklyn as we sing. There to the majestic Brooklyn, let us all rejoice. We salute thy mighty land from the bridge to Benson Hoist. Coney Island, Prospect Park, and Brighton by the day. We all love the sight of Brooklyn and the smell of the BMT. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, here he is once again, a young singing star, Nick Farney, to sing. When she looks you in the eye and your heart begins to sigh. It's just plain love When she takes you by the hand And says, oh, I think you're grand It's just plain love It's just plain love It lives eternally so if you're happy down inside, just because she's by your side, it's just plain love. It's just plain love. Just plain love. It's just plain love. It lives eternally. So if you're happy down inside, just because she's by your side, sure stars are above. It's just plain love. Well, wonderful, Dick Carney. Wonderful. That was nice and soothing for the dampened spirits in Brooklyn tonight. And don't worry, Dodgers, you'll have your day. Look at Leo DeRosier. He had his day. Mr. Uh... <laughs> oh, that's all right. Good joke. <laughs> but not for me. Mr. Gallup, did I... <laughs> did I ever tell you what happened to me once at Ebbets Field? Yes. <laughs> Would you like to hear it again? No. 
<laughs> okay, if you insist, here's what happened. <laughs> it was earlier this season, Mr. Gallup. I took my little son, Junior, out to Ebbets Field to see the Dodgers play the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> your tickets this way. Show your tickets. Uh, here you are, sir. There's tickets for my son and me. Wait a minute. A half-price ticket for this kid? Oh, well, he, he's only five. Aren't you, Junior? Yeah. Da-da. Okay, go <laughs> Come on, Junior. I don't want to miss a minute of the game. Da-da. All right, we're in. We're in already. All right. You can put away that teething ring. Let's get to our seats. Oh, boy. At last, a baseball game. Give me a hot dog, Pop. Junior, you, you just had lunch. Now, let's get to our seats. I'm hungry. The ride out here gave me an appetite. A ride in a packed subway gave you an appetite? What, are you a cannibal or something? <laughs> I'm not getting you a hot dog. You're kidding. <laughs> no, you're not getting a hot dog. Okay. Step aside. Here it comes. No, Junior, please. I'll kill myself. No, I'll Junior. Kill junior, please. Where's the gas Junior, please. Junior, junior please. Stop, stop it. Stop it. All right. Oh, brother. What a kid. You win. I'll get you the hot dog and... I'll meet you at the seats. Junior? Junior? Here's your seat, Pop. Oh, boy. What a struggle. Here's your hot dog. I don't want it now. You eat it. <laughs> you don't want it? I had to knock down an old man to get it. All right, I'll eat it. Gee, the game started. It's just the first inning. Oh, good. Only the first inning. What's the score? 12 to 16. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, a pitcher's duel. Well, I still have eight innings to see. Who's up now? Brooklyn. Stanky's at bat. Oh, Stanky. Good. Come on, Stanky. Oh, one. Nice crowd. Oh, two. You know, that, that's bunk about Dodger fans being tough. Oh, three. Look, Junior, look how orderly they are. Strike. Are you all right? Yeah. Where are you, Pop? Here, under the seat. What's happened? What happened? They're burying the umpire behind second base. Oh, that's nice. He would have liked it that way. Oh, shh, shh. the game's starting again. I'm hungry, Pop. I'll take my hot dog now. Yeah, well, I... Huh? Hot dog. Hot dog? I, I, I ate it. You're kidding. No, Junior. Junior, you said that you... I'll kill myself. No, Junior. I'll kill myself. Don't start again. I'll junior, I'll don't myself. start. Give me a kill again. Stop it. Please. Now put your eyes back in your head. Okay, I'll, I'll get you a hot dog. Here I go under the stands again. Geronimo. Here's the hot dog, Junior. I ran all the way. You sure made speed, Pop. You weren't gone two minutes. I, I guess I didn't miss anything. I see Stanky still at bat. Yeah, but it's the sixth inning. <laughs> sixth inning? What's the score? 22 to 18. What are they doing? Playing on pogo sticks? Okay, now for some baseball. Who's at bat? Stanky. <laughs> come on, Stanky! Well, come on, umpire. What was it? Strike. <laughs> Junior, come on. Let's go home. They're starting again, Pop. Good, good. Who's at bat? Stanky. 
<laughs> but he was just up. They lost count. Oh, I see. Popcorn, peanuts, hand grenades. <laughs> Junior. Please, do me a favor, Junior. Sit down. I'm hungry. Get me some peanuts. No, Junior, you'll ruin your appetite for dinner. Mother's cooking tonight. Oh, good idea. Peanuts. Hey, one bag of peanuts. Okay, catch. Ow, ooh, ooh, my nose. Hey, will you watch how you throw them, please? Don't change the subject. You owe me a dime. Oh, here's a half a dollar. Catch. Got it. Here's your change. Catch. <laughs> That's great, all in pennies Now I gotta get under the seats and pick them up Well, nothing's happening anyway, here goes Junior, what happened? What happened? Stanky double, Robinson single, Walker homer There was a triple play, the Cardinals came up, scored four runs Kurowski homer with bases loaded The score is tied, 26 to 26 What a ball game! (laughs) Yep (laughs) Now who's up? Stanky. <laughs> Must be his bat and ball. <laughs> quiet. Junior, quiet. What, what? Here's the pitch. Ball one. What's with that umpire? They run out of men. Oh, oh, I see, I see. Hey, Milky! Milky Brown! Hey, look, Pop, behind you. It's Lou Parker. I'm not turning my head. Hey, Milky! Can't you just turn around for a second? That's wrong. Well, I guess I better. What is it, Lou? (laughs) (laughs) What happened? I just turned my head. What happened? Stanky triple. Robinson walked. Reese doubled off the scoreboard and was tossed wide into third. There was a fight at second base. The Cubs came up and made four runs. Then the game was held up for a little while on account of rain. (laughs) (laughs) What's the score? 62 to 61. Nice tight game. Who's up? The Cardinals. Good. Who's the batter? Stanky. Stanky? He's with Brooklyn. While you had your head turned, he was traded. That does it. Junior, come on, let's go home. No, Pop, we're staying to the end. You're kidding. No, Pop, we're staying. Okay, here it comes. No, no, Pop. I'll kill myself. I'll kill myself. Thank you very, very much. Well, that about winds up the hilarity for tonight. (laughs) Mr. Gallup, how about telling the folks who's appearing in person this week at the Roxy? Of course. Stanky. (laughs) Thank you, Pee Wee Reese. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Saint, followed by The Great Gildersleeve. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.